accessing agent files. Brian Sovereign. Early 21st Century Anarchist. Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check. By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government, helping usher in an incredible time. Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now here's Brian. Oh, yes, the golden stallion here for you. We got a special. This is a special of specials. And I really I need to thank, first of all, I need to thank Jason King of Sean's Outpost and, of course, uh, the inimitable MK Lords for giving me the opportunity uh, to speak at Coins in the Kingdom. And that's exactly what this is. This is my talk from Coins in the Kingdom 2014. It was a fantastic time. I was, unfortunately, myself and the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, the Duchess of Debauchery. We were only there for a little over 24 hours, and then we had to go off to uh, Inside Bitcoins, which... Also, wasn't as bad as you might expect, but I'll be doing a, well, Stephanie and I will be doing a special talking about, uh, you know, doing a conference wrap up uh, in the future. But right now I want to get out to you this talk because, uh, again, you know, really, I appreciate uh, Jason and MK. They they scheduled me. They gave me a, a good hour and actually ended up with questions going a little bit over an hour. There was a, a great audience there uh, and they had a lot of questions. Um, including you'll hear from Andreas Antonopoulos. Uh, he's the first person to to bring up a point. Um, and it was it was a fantastic time. So and being able to give this talk was was really great. Uh, Stephanie also gave a talk and I will be releasing that as a Sovereign Tech special in the future, too, because it is really important uh, about, you know, how Bitcoin can really set you free uh, business wise and about taking that great leap. Uh, you know, into into, you know, going fully into self-employment, entrepreneurship and and really the ways that Bitcoin totally empowers that. And it does. Uh, but for right now, here we have this talk and this talk is the dangers of reputation and trustless systems. And I mean, I had a lot of material to cover, had it very much uh, written out. So if there's points where you, it sounds like I'm reading. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm reading off of my phone on it. Uh, and you know, I want to make a few points though. This is going to be kind of have a special intro here to it and we'll, then we'll get right into it. And I will also speak at the end of it. I will do an outro on this episode. So do listen all the way through. Um, I want to make the point that through this talk, I, what there was three main companies that really like came to mind and it's about Bitcoin 2.0. That's the whole point about this is Bitcoin 2.0. And I talked about, uh, BitNation which listeners of the show know how I feel about BitNation. I talked about Ethereum, which listeners of the show also know how I feel about Ethereum. Uh, and I talked about BitShares. BitShares was often my example case when discussing how these things can actually, how they would work out. Now, I want to make it very clear, though. And I tried to in the talk itself where I tried to say, look, Dan Larimer is a genius. I love this guy. Okay. Uh, and Andreas actually gave him props at the end, too. Uh, for some insights. And so this is the point I want to make really clear first off 
is that I have a different vision. I have a different desire uh, for my path to freedom than, say, Bitcoin 2.0 technologies do. Okay, if I had to choose, if there was that, you know, horrible or not horrible, if there was that choice where I had to choose somehow, you know, a Bitcoin 2.0 tech, uh, not counting NXT, I would I'd be on board with BitShares because, you know what, I think Dan Larimer is a genuinely a very caring human being. He cares about, you know, people's freedom. Uh, This guy is the real deal. He is not just in this for the money, uh, if he's in it for that at all. I mean, he's he, he is just a genuine, uh, you know, liberty loving person. And I have tons of respect for him and I have tons of respect for the members of his team, people who I know very well uh, and who some of which actually listen to this show. So and just last week in the very last episode, I mentioned how I think BitShares has an incredible infrastructure going forward. I was very complimentary towards it. So I just want to be super clear. Okay, that because I'm mentioning BitShares here, I don't mean to be insulting. It's just the only thing is, and this is a credit to Dan Larimer, he's the only guy with the guts to say what his plans are and how he's going to make this work. Or maybe it's not even a matter of guts. He's the only guy that actually has the intellect to tell you how he's going to do everything. So the fact that he's that BitShares ends up being a common example in this talk is actually a credit to BitShares. I see a different future. Okay, I want things going in a different direction than perhaps what they do, uh, you know, at BitShares. Okay. But total credit to them that I could even talk about what the, cause I mean, other guys, you know, if I talk about BitNation, they don't have a, you know, as far as I know, I don't know how they plan on doing the things they're talking about doing. You have Ethereum. I, you know, what, what's even, what's their proof? Proof of stake. I don't know. And I make a little, you know, I make a little jab at, uh, at a delegated proof of stake in it because it's not working out, uh, you know, according to plan so far, but I still, I've said countless times on the show that I am very intrigued by delegated proof of stake. And it might be one of the better proofs, uh, out there, you know, next to maybe proof of resource or something. Uh, so anyway, that I want to get that out there. I want to make sure that's very, very clear that I have no, I, I have no beef with the BitShares team or, or with Dan Larimer or whatsoever, uh, as to where with other people, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's guys involved with Ethereum I absolutely love. Uh, I don't know much about anything with BitNation other than the possibility that uh, certain unsavory characters could be involved with it. Uh, you know, f- full disclosure there. I've talked about it on the show before. So, all right. So now I've, I've got that out there uh, and we'll get into the talk in just a minute. But anyway, I just I want to say it was a great time. Uh, it was an absolute honor to speak at this uh, got a lot of a lot of people afterwards even saying, hey, you know, do you want to go out to dinner? We need to talk more about this sort of thing. So I'm glad that it seemed people took it seriously, even though when you listen to this, maybe you'll think some of these some of these thoughts go to an extreme. And I admit that it's going to an extreme, but I want to explore those ideas because everyone else, I feel like everybody, you know, honestly, not that this whole conversation was a bit, you know, not that this whole talk that I gave was a ripping fest. OK, but I think most people are are genuinely afraid to like tick off these, you know, whatever coin company uh, or, you know, whatever technology they're, they're afraid. And, you know, I want to have clarity, but I'm not afraid to say, you know, whatever's on, on my mind at all. And no one else is willing to say this stuff. 
I mean, there's people willing to write off, you know, just offhand anything that isn't Bitcoin. They don't mind doing that and making death threats of people, you know, that that are trying to do anything outside of Bitcoin. Certainly there's those. But there's people who aren't willing to really discuss where could this shit go. And so I felt it important to do it. And maybe you'll think I'm wrong. Uh, And that's okay. We can disagree. And again, I am telling you, I have a different vision for where I want things to go compared to what I uh, feel a lot of Bitcoin 2.0 technologies want to head to. Um, I do not talk about really NXT. It gets a mention in here. I do not talk about NXT during this. Uh, NXT is really, I, I feel like NXT has is actual like grassroots and that if people don't want it to go a certain direction, they won't let it go that certain direction because NXT is not getting, again, they're doing a lot of this stuff that that, that these other Bitcoin 2.0 companies are, are, you know, just theorizing about, they're already implementing it, but it's all getting done with really with very little in the way of any kind of venture capital or of any kind of funding. They sure as hell aren't getting $15 million like Ethereum does. Uh, so, you know, they, they don't really, it doesn't cross my radar as far as, you know, being a concern because I, I don't, in fact, that's part of the problem is I don't know a lot of people excited about it. You know, I mean, there is there's definitely, a, you know, a community behind it. But I don't know, you know, any like big names per se uh, that that are really intrigued by it. And it still to this day blows my mind. But anyway, so you don't really hear much about NXT in this. And there's there's other Bitcoin 2.0 technologies out there. There's Cora. I mean, there's there's a whole slew of them. Um, but I pretty much stick to as far as raising, you know, the multitude of concerns, I pretty much stick to BitNation and Ethereum. And like I said, BitShares is invo- is mentioned in this in large part just because Dan Larimer is the only guy that actually knows how he's going to do this stuff. Like he's the only guy that, ha- that has a clue. I'm not in no way not saying these are bad people by no stretch. And I make sure I mention that in the talk. Uh, but anyway, that's enough of me. Or no, wait, that's not enough of me because we're going to go back to me. Okay, let, let's go to me, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and at Coins in the Kingdom 2014. Here we go. And I'll be back with more right after the talk. A little bit of a late start, but uh, thank you very much for waiting. I'm uh, going to be running off my phone here a little bit. Uh, but what this talk is titled as is The Dangers of Reputation and Trustless Systems. Now, this is more of a philosophical talk, just to get that right out of the gate, but let me go ahead and start right off. Um, I'm a person that likes to brood. Everybody knows what brooding is, right? Okay. It's uh, unfortunately a pejorative term. Um, I've brooded all my life. Uh, I've actually, one time I was going into court and my lawyer specifically said, Brian, look, if you're going in there, please, just don't look like you're brooding. Don't brood. It's that, it was, it's that bad. But brooding, all it really is, is deep thinking, and I do like to think very deeply. And my point in telling you this is that I want you to know that what I'm about to talk about, I have thought about quite a bit. So, and again, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want this to be a a really technical talk when you've been involved, uh, like myself, in the cypherpunk community for quite some time. You can often speak at an experience level that isn't good for communicating a broader message. Uh, and I don't want that to be the case. So to get this off on the right foot, I think we should start it off with everybody's favorite subject, which is history, Yay. right? Everybody loves history, maybe. This is, this is good history, this isn't like in school. Uh, Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so 
It is the year 180 CE, or AD if you're that persuasion. <laughs> and the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius was just finishing his campaign against the Germanic tribes of the north. This might sound like a movie, but that movie was very much based on fact. Marcus was uh, able, this, this emperor, Marcus Aurelius, he was able to bring the empire to incredible heights, not just uh, you know, as far as size, though certainly that was the point of fighting the Germanic uh, wars, but also uh, in uh, philosophy, in economic matters. It was really a grand time. He was the last of what are called the, the five good emperors. Uh, that's, and history records him well no matter what persuasion you happen to be. He was regarded a philosopher king. Some people in this room might have heard that phrase used in white papers. That's kind of weird. But he was a pretty wise fellow. He actually co-ruled with uh, a young man named Lucius Verus. Uh, he really wanted some degree of decentralization of power. In fact, so much, this is an emperor, and you have to keep this in mind, this guy is controlling the largest landmass of its day, not the largest empire ever, but he was controlling the largest empire of his day, and he had the time, like me, to brood. A lot. Now, of course, I don't get to brood because I have an empire, but, uh, but he did. <laughs> and in his brooding, he changed his mind from time to time. And some of the thoughts that he came up with, if you read his, uh, his collection called The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, which I highly recommend, he, in his later on in life, particularly around the time of the war against the Germanic tribes, pretty much you know, started thinking about what is the nature of power? What is the nature of control? What is the nature of autonomy, and who should wield it? Who should have ultimate control? And he actually came to the conclusion that it should be the individual. And it's not unheard of that he would think of this. It's not just uh, lip service, because again, he was the first emperor to really co-rule and make sure that that co-ruler had as much power as he did. His idea, he really had the ideas of decentralization. Of course, he couldn't know the word decentralization at all. That's impossible. Uh, but he seemed to have the concept down quite a bit. And this was about 2,000 years ago, again, 180 CE. So at the end of his campaign, he had pretty much won, and his son, Commodus, who had every intention of expecting to be emperor himself, uh, but unfortunately that wasn't in, and if, again, you can read into the history itself, this isn't just a film, uh, Marcus Aurelius knew that this he should not be emperor because he had little life experience, little understanding of how the world worked, even as hard as he tried. Uh, you know, he liked to, he was one of those guys, you know, really was in the lap of luxury, liked to make things look good, but really didn't have the stuff when it counted. And so Commodus, at the end of the war, rides up to his father, famously, and says, Father, have I missed the battle? And Marcus Aurelius looks at his son very sadly and says, no, you missed the war. And I want you to understand something. Uh, I was in the U.S. military. I was in the U.S. Army for some time. I don't particularly care. That experience has taught me to not appreciate anything that has to do with violence or war. But I think that story has a pretty deep meaning, a much deeper meaning that needs some exploration. And that deeper meaning I want to apply to Bitcoin 2.0, which is what this is really all about. It's without question that the advent of Bitcoin and blockchain technology has changed so much in our world today. Or at the very least, our perceptions of what is possible. And beyond Bitcoin, blockchains are going to change your life in the not-so-future. Not-so-far-future, I should say. 
But how exactly? Will it free you financially the way Bitcoin has freed so many entrepreneurs, merchants, as well as individuals uh, to have an incredibly resilient store of wealth, which Bitcoin is really good at? And let's be clear on this. Bitcoin showed that none of these systems of control, like regulation or banks, or you name the financial institution uh, that you know needed to exist, quote unquote, uh, individuals can do just fine managing their own finances now, thanks to Bitcoin. So how will Bitcoin 2.0 set you free? Will it be like 3D printing, where it set free the means of production? I want to explore that question of what exactly does this does Bitcoin 2.0 do? Uh, so these Bitcoin 2.0 companies, some of the more popular ones, that being Ethereum, uh, BitNation, BitShares, NXT, even this one might sound weird, but even IBM's ADEPT technology. How many people have heard of ADEPT here? Okay, I've got a few. Cool. Do any of you, you know, I actually, I host a, a tech podcast, Sovereign Tech. Do any of you listen to that? Woo, right on. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. So you might have heard of ADEPT from that. I've been talking about it for a little while. Um, but ADEPT, just for those that don't know, uh, this is kind of the strange hybrid between blockchain and BitTorrent technology. Uh, and it's all open source. All of these projects here are open source. That's important. I don't think anybody would have as much trust in them as they seem to if they weren't. Now, with startups, and that's really what these are, they're all startups, and they have that same startup culture. They do crowdfunding and all this, you know, all this business, you know, try to get seeding and et cetera. Uh, usually, any good startup begins with an idea. And the idea, it's an idea that answers a question. What problem does this solve? Okay, that's how you enter any market. And I think it's a good foundation to have that question. Uh, it really makes a difference between startups that you know, don't last any longer than a year and ones that end up becoming decade-long global properties. But I think there's an inherent flaw in startups, and that is part of what I want to discuss here. While I love the foundational question of what problem does it solve, I think it's incredibly incomplete. It should be what problem does it solve without creating a whole bunch of other problems. And for whatever reason, uh, almost no startup that I'm aware of, and I'm very involved in the tech space, at least uh, watching it, uh, really considers the second part of that. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just greed. Maybe they just want to get out by Google or IBM or Apple or whoever. Uh, or maybe it's that single-minded focus that, that, that really it takes, I think, sometimes to create a really great product or service. Uh, and so that becomes the question then, you know, does, what, what is it? Did Bitcoin 2.0 address these questions? Have these companies addressed these questions? Is, do they have a single-minded focus, perhaps? We hope it's not greed, right? We don't want it to be greed. Uh, we hope it's not because they end up wanting to get bought out by Facebook in the future. So let's suppose it's a single-minded focus. But do, they, do these companies have a single-minded focus? I would venture no, they don't. Because what is part of their billing? They want to be everything. They want to do everything for everyone. So that becomes the question: If they haven't, um, if they're, you know, if they haven't considered what problems are they solving, because they, they don't have that that single-minded focus, are they able to see the forest for the trees? Or did, in other words, did they miss the battle and miss the war? I wonder. So let's examine this. I want to start with a company that has the clearest stated goal out of these Bitcoin or out of these Bitcoin 2.0 technology uh, companies, and that would be BitNation. 
It's the most honest of the bunch. Uh, in fact, as I understand, there will be a blockchain wedding here uh, tomorrow, I believe it is. So, and uh, certainly I wish those two individuals the absolute best in happiness, no doubt about it. Um, and happiness would seem to be a major part of BitNation's goal. They would like to create competition within the areas of governance. You might as well read that as government. It's, I mean, they're really the same word at the end of the day. Um, and they're gonna do this by creating blockchains, and as I understand it, they'll use several blockchains uh, for security and redundancy purposes, not a terrible idea. Uh, that will somehow handle for you the fact that your marriage and divorce, you know, it'll, it'll handle your marriage and divorce certificates and whatever else. Uh, it can help you set up healthcare services. It'll have an ID system, dispute resolution. This is why I need my phone. Uh, incorporating land registry, birth and death certificates, child care contracts, health insurance, unemployment insurance, pensions, crisis negotiations, advocacy, that means lawyers, uh, education, as well as peer-to-peer -peer protection, individual security, and contract enforcement, as well as services that exist outside of the blockchain, though I have no idea what those are. And I'm sure they have a, kind of their own little, uh, they, they say it's not a currency, but it's called XBN. Again, it's said not to be a currency, but rather a share in the BitNation company, and will end up being treated more or less as a store of value, just like any of these other you know, kind of altcoin ideas or Bitcoin 2.0 ideas. Um, and I don't think that's unfair. I agree with Dan Larimer when he says that uh, a lot of the cryptocurrencies are better understood when you think of them as a share instead of as you know something like the dollar uh, of that type. So at the end of the end of the day, they will also offer a currency in reality. That's you know I mean just they can use different words, but there it is. Uh, so with all that described, I have uh, a little secret to tell you about. We, we mentioned quite a few different Bitcoin 2.0 technologies, and to keep myself from having to repeat that entire list again, here's the secret. Ethereum wants to do the same exact thing. Different words, but trust me, it all means the same stuff. Uh, and if anything, they want to do a whole lot more. So now Ethereum is a little more clever, like I said, and they're worrying about it. They don't say they're providing government services, per se. They use phraseology like, we want to be the TCP, which is the foundation of the internet as you know it. Uh, we want to be the TCP to your HTTP or SMTP ideas. HTTP be, you know, being websites and SMTP being email. Those, that's what you create, and Ethereum gives you the foundation to do that sort of thing. So they don't necessarily say governance, but at the end of the day, I think as we talk about this more, you'll see that it's probably just about the same things. Uh, and again, that list I gave to you before from BitNation came directly from their website, and this list for Ethereum, real quick, that I'm about to give you, comes directly from their developers, pretty much word for word. Um, Let's see, virtual currencies, which we talked about like the nation would have with XBN. Uh, you know, and then there's proxy currencies, which could represent physical objects, gold, things of that nature. Uh, you know, or think of it as kind of like virtual tokens, more or less. Uh, financial instruments, stock market, <coughs> stock markets, etc. Uh, insurance, like the ones aforementioned for Bit, BitNation, and gaming, gambling, lotteries, whatever else. Uh, registrars, like land registry. Uh, and also, of course, things like what Namecoin would do, but anyway, to get away from ICANN, that's not a terrible idea. Reputation systems, which is another word for identity, ID systems, trust systems, kind of like VeriSign, not a bad thing. Um, let's see, document revision control. Uh, I'm guessing this means something along the lines, perhaps, of a degree of IP, a voluntary IP, which I'm not necessarily opposed to that, as long as it's voluntary. 
Uh, and then ownership, kind of like marriage. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> I, I think my notes got that wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, deeds and ownership. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, all the same stuff, really. If you break it down, if you compare the two, it would just be different names. Uh, even the individual security and peer-to-peer -peer protection that we mentioned for BitNation has been theorized by Ethereum developers uh, because there was, and, and granted, this was being an extreme case, but then I'm also talking in, in extreme cases to some degree here, uh, by the Ethereum developers talking about drones could be controlled by Ethereum. Uh, and so, you know, and then of course we have uh, assassination markets, because it makes you wonder, like, what is this peer-to-peer -peer protection that they're talking about? I can't even imagine how that would get worked out. Would it have to, I would only imagine drones could do it, or like I said, the assassination market. But then I guess if we ask the question that Commodus asked to his father, did I miss the battle? No, it looks like you created another war. Now we can explore each of these stated offerings individually, and that's what I want to do. Uh, virtual currencies or cryptocurrencies, I really don't have any problem with, with that one, or we wouldn't be here, right? Uh, Bitcoin didn't miss the battle, it actually won the whole war, quite frankly. I love Bitcoin. Uh, now, I wouldn't begin to say that Bitcoin is perfect, of course. It has some serious issues that uh, have not been addressed as far as I've seen. But like I said, this talk is about Bitcoin 2.0. Uh, and if you really want to know about what I think about Bitcoin, you know, and, and perhaps some of its issues, we'll, maybe we'll have time for a Q&A after we can get to that. Uh, so going on the list, we have proxy currencies. Um, which on the other hand could be a concern because I imagine it would be easy to fake physical holdings, but I could be wrong about that. That's not really a big, a big one on my list. But financial instruments, this one's interesting because if you really think about it, the finance game is actually a sign of lack of innovation and invention in a society because really it's only of interest when there is nothing new to build or engineer, but you still need to find a way to increase overall wealth. Uh, not a lot of people think about that, about the finance system in that way, but I think it's true. A lot of other people think it's true. I don't know if anyone's read uh, Peter Thiel's re recent book, uh, but he mentions this. So, and really to illustrate the point, you have the infamous robber barons, you know, Carnegie and the like from the uh, ninth, early or late 19th and early 20th century. Uh, they did not make their wealth by playing the stock market or going for derivatives. Uh, they increased wealth for all the world by means of invention and production. I mean, and some would argue that these are still, you know, the, the, uh, the families of these people are, are still some of the wealthiest on the planet today. I mean, that's real wealth creation. So no, the, the finance game is just that. It's a game. Somehow integrating a system, in my opinion, that represents a lack of innovation and invention into an incredibly innovative field like Bitcoin 2.0 is, seems awfully backwards to me. Maybe it's so friends and big money, like, Goldman Sachs will find these things attractive. Because, I mean, we all know that Goldman Sachs is interested in creating systems that help people, right? <laughs> uh, so, did they miss the battle when it comes to financial systems? Uh, financial instruments, I should say. No, I, I think they might have missed the war. Uh, insurance, yeah. I, I know there's lots of people, particularly maybe in this crowd or in people that may listen to this later on, uh, that are just jonesing over the idea of insurance being provided, uh, you know, because this is kind of a, now I, I'm an anarchist, uh, I don't really like put a label at the end of that, but you have groups called anarcho-capitalists, they're really big about this whole thing with insurance companies, it's like, yes, we'll get rid of governments, and we'll put insurance companies in their place, and the insurance companies will protect everything that we have and do, uh, you know, that way we don't need the governments and we can still have security in our possessions, etc. 
Uh, but honestly, at the end of that, those things, which again, some people are wanting, like BitNation, in fact, BitNation, the creator of BitNation in particular, uh, came out and said that she is a voluntarist, which can mean anarcho-capitalist, generally. Uh, you know, really, if you're offering these insurance companies, it, it, instead of governments duking it out, you're just gonna end up having insurance companies duking that out, and honestly, that sounds kind of like warfare, but, well, never mind, you don't want to think too long on that one. Uh, did they miss the battle? The, the battle? No, I, I think they created another war again. Uh, but anyway, gaming or gambling and lotteries, I think those are cool. Uh, registrars, uh, not with registrars, believe me, I think the DNS system is terrible. That power needs to get away from ICANN. Uh, this is one of the things I really mentioned, like I mentioned Namecoin. Namecoin is an awesome technology. Uh, and really what Namecoin does, it allows you to create that separate DNS system where you can go to dot bits instead of worrying about whatever powers that be, they then those taking down, uh, you know, your dot com or dot net site or whichever. People can still get to, uh, to the, the phone book of the internet, which is what the DNS system really is. Uh, I think that's fantastic. And all these 2.0 technologies have that built in, every single one of them. Uh, and it's not a bad idea by any stretch. Um, but beyond that, let's, uh, let's mix this one, the, the registrar idea, let's make this, mix this in with deeds and ownership, uh, which I think marriage is a great example of ownership. Or, <laughs> it's my notes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Freudian slips, you know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> now look, I, I, I don't want to get into a discussion about the nature of property, uh, but I want to tell you a little story that I personally plagiarized and butchered. Uh, so maybe I don't want that IP, but anyway. A man buys a plot of land. This is the future. This is the future that people want with Bitcoin 2.0 technology where Ether rules the day, BitNation rules the day, BitShares rules the day, whatever. So a man buys some land with some Ether, you know, Ether or whatever uh, other cryptocurrency or share uh, that he has and confirms it on the blockchain that he holds the deed and has ownership of the land. He's, you know, everything's on the up and up. So he goes to visit his land, and as he's traversing the many acres uh, that, uh, that he has, he, you know, he's probably deciding, okay, where do I want to place my new home that I'm going to end up buying with that ether too? And the farmer, or I'm sorry, I gave it away. The, <laughs> the landowner runs into a farmer that's essentially been squatting on this land. Uh, and again, yeah, that's, that's what he notices, what's the deal here? And uh, the farmer is a she, and yes, a farmer can be a she, and honestly, I think overall is a pretty sexy young woman. Uh, it's also, you know, when you both want to have some consensual fun, it comes off very easily. <laughs> uh, she's lived there for years, and has been working on the soil for just as long. And she has a, a little shanty off to the side that she stays in, and now, obviously, the land, the newly you know, deemed landowner is just freaking out about this. Uh, you know, I can't believe, how is this person here? This is terrible. Nobody told me about this. This wasn't on the blockchain. <laughs> so the man pulls out his tablet or whatever smart device he happens to have, and he brings up the BitNation app or the BitShares app or the Ethereum app. You take your pick of the Bitcoin 2.0 technology. And says to her, you see this app? You see what this says? This land is mine. I have a confirmed contract on the blockchain. This is mine. And that means you have to leave. 
Now, obviously, the farmer, she's a bit put out about it, uh, and she kind of discusses the idea of homesteading with him a little bit, saying, you know, hey, I, I, I've been here working all this. It's like, can you just really ruin all my work like that? And he shows, he shows the app again. It says, look, it has ten whole confirmations. <laughs> ten of them. This is my land. So the woman farmer, she really doesn't care to, to have a fight about it. Uh, you know, and she doesn't have any XPN or either or you know, bit BTSX or whatever uh, to purchase any arbitration services, so she just ends up leaving. But as she walks away, she's you know, honestly being pretty nice about it. She says, look, I've been fending off some pretty crazy wild beasts around here for years. So you know, just, just watch out for that. And, but the guy just won't hear it. He just, he just leave, leave, leave. And he, then it gets 12 confirmations. Like, look, 12 confirmations, get out of here. And as she walks away, she suddenly starts hearing the man scream. And she hears bears, or something that sounds like a bear. And the guy's yelling for help, yelling for help. And she just kind of shrugs because she knows he never listened to her before. But anyway, still says, show him your blockchain. <laughs> These things don't seem to mean much if everybody doesn't agree to them, do they? Yeah, I totally plagiarized yeah. that. <laughs> Someone recognized what it's from. <laughs> uh, anyway, so at that point, though, because if not everybody accepts the system, what does it end up becoming? I think it ends up becoming like the, the kind of the uh, age-old adage of democracy, which is it's two wolves and a sheep deciding who's for dinner. While we're talking about democracy, let's talk about that voting, shall we? Uh, now, now, on an incredibly smaller scale, granted, when they say voting, it's a very abstract idea, but I've certainly heard plenty of people, if you're on the Bitcoin Talk forums and et cetera, not that I recommend going to Bitcoin Talk forums or Reddit, they are positively toxic uh, forums, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, they, they talked about having it used for voting for some kind of, like, maybe even democratic government uh, or whichever. And, uh, you know, I'm open to the idea that democracy or direct democracy might work on a really small scale. But honestly, when you get into the voting systems that don't even necessarily have to do with government, uh, no, just don't, don't talk to bit shares about this. Uh, because delegated proof of stake, which is their system, uh, is having a bit of trouble. Because it's based upon the idea that you vote for delegates that decide what transactions, you know, going to happen etc. But nobody's voting. So even when you have that power, even when you have that voting, people just seem to not really care about it. And that's fine, because uh, I mean, personally myself, I think voting is nonsense anyway, shape or form. Um, but hey, you know, I, like I said, I can see how some would want voting and its functions. Um, however, here's my concern. When voting is tied into a quadruple verified, hyper-provable, identity system, pick your adjectives for how they describe how secure these identity systems are. Uh, I mean, because either way, you know online identity theft has never been an issue, not once. Uh, but we'll talk about that identity system more in a minute. Uh, you lose the most powerful and important aspect of any kind of a voting process, in my opinion, when you put it on the blockchain. Anyone want to guess what that is? Anonymous, someone said anonymous, right, the secret ballot. You lose that. Why do you lose that? Because uh, tr really, true anonymity of choice, which is what the secret ballot is all about, 
in a democratic system, and if you believe in a democracy, be it direct democracy or whatever, uh, this is the very heart of it. And the fact that a person can vote without repercussions or shame, and it doesn't have to be voting for a person, it could be voting for things, it doesn't matter. Uh, there will never be, like I said, with the anonymity, as long as there is a blockchain, I don't believe, you know, and most don't want to admit to this, that there will ever be actual anonymity. Because regardless if you're using stealth wallets or Titan from BitShares, Titan is their identity kind of uh, transaction system, or whatever, whatever you're using, as long as there's a blockchain, there is nowhere near the level of anonymity that can be had in the analog world, whether it be for voting or for transactions. As long as you have a blockchain, there is, if the blockchain is accepted, of course, an unquestionable record of whatever action is being taken. And no matter how well you hide who the person is that did it, that's what Titan is supposed to do, is to hide the two parties that are doing it, I would argue that it's only a matter of time before any encryption gets cracked. Either way, the record that it is done is still there. So as an example, let's look at uh, you know, good cold hard cash. Now of course, not that I recommend necessarily cash, it's backed by violence, it has no actual value whatsoever uh, other than that. But uh, I know, you know, I realize it's not voting, but let's look at it. So I could hand somebody $5, like I could walk up to Stephanie Murphy here, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, <laughs> and I could hand her $5, or I could hand her $1,000, as long as these cameras aren't recording anything. Who'd know? Who'd be the wiser to know that that happened? On the blockchain, eventually, down the line, at some point, or right now, you know that that transaction happened. And it really doesn't matter, you know, I know somebody's going to say, well, hey, the greenbacks, they've been putting, you know, serial numbers on them and all this stuff so they can track this. Uh, no, no, believe me, it's nowhere near the, that anonymity level is as good as perhaps the world could ever get to as far as that goes. So uh, voting, I, you know, missing the secret ballot, uh, I consider that an extreme loss and in no way a superior system. Uh, you know, and speaking of cash too, boy, Bitcoin is taking quite a dive right now, isn't it? In fact, it's, it's kind of strange. Speaking of cash, it's ironic that if you're going long on cash, you're actually winning right now. Pretty much every other market is down. Uh, I don't know what to make of that, and I really don't have a point to make with it. So let's move on. <laughs> uh, the power of voting, if it has power, uh, I don't believe will ever really get achieved on the blockchain, true power. So, have these Bitcoin 2.0 companies missed the battle on voting? No, I think they've missed the war. But voting is a simple one to solve. I mean, there's an easy solution to this, uh, and that's by implementing 100% consensus in everything that is to be decided upon. If it doesn't have that consensus, it doesn't happen. Sure, the system gets stuck, but so what? Everybody's more or less, you know, getting their way at the end of it. So, but consensus does have an issue in itself, and that is it generally only works on an extremely localized level. Now, whether that's a problem is up to you, uh, but it only works on very small sample groups. Uh, but we can get to solutions about this stuff uh, later. Let's get back to the problems. Uh, let's talk about that incredible ID system that is really one of the core factors of a lot of these, that ID that kind of mixes in reputation with it. Uh, because, you know, there's really, <laughs> I mean, this is, again, this is an ID system that will tell when you are communicating with another actor or with a merchant or something like that, 
uh, it will say who you are. And let's face it, I mean, there's nothing more pride-inducing in life than being able to hand over your papers when someone says, papers, please, papers. And that's, that's what ID is, right? So how's this going to work? Well, perhaps a hint exists uh, with BitShares and their one-time idea of Quixote, which as far as I understand it now is built into Titan. Uh, so it hasn't really gone away. And I had this explained to me personally because I really wanted to get my head wrapped around this by the head developer. Uh, and the, the identity will apparently work something like this. You, you want to interact with somebody, you know, say this is a meat space. Um, so, you know, you want to do a transaction or something, whatever that may be, maybe you're buying a motorcycle from them, uh, or you are, you know, just tran you know, changing hands of, of whatever money of the day happens to be. So you'll pull out your smartphone, you'll punch up a blockchain identity app for whatever company this happens to be, it doesn't have to be BitShares, and you'll look at each other's apps, or maybe just, you know, NFC or iBeacon or whatever happens to be the high tech of the day will connect with it, and then you'll end up with like a list. Uh, I wish I had some kind of example to show you, but um, you'll end up with a, with a list that will quickly verify uh, what a, you know what laws and agreements you both abide by. So there could be a selection of okay, this person, uh, you know, think of anything that that you would want to have a shared uh, interest that gives you a degree of trust with dealing with another person. Um, but anyway, you know, it will not only bring up that information, but it will also bring up things like perhaps credit history, a reputation, uh, much like eBay where it says, hey, this guy is a trusted seller, or something like where, uh, like Facebook, where you can see, hmm, how many friends does she have, and does she have a girlfriend? Yeah, she, that's okay. <laughs> now, of course, you'll be able to choose what information you'd like to share, at least I, I hope you'll have that option. But then keep in mind that many people's interaction level rises and falls, or the, the degree to which they want to interact with you, will rise and fall based upon how much they know about you, and honestly, the more the better. So you can say, well, I can voluntarily share just so much, but then is that going to get you to your end game? And that problem is one we're running into right now with uh, without Bitcoin 2.0, uh, actually. Well, now, what I want to get into is let me skip up, okay. <laughs> the point there is that even with trustless systems, which that's the whole point of this, even with trustless systems, there's still a degree of trust because if you only have so much information, even within a trustless system, it is up to the person at the end of the day to want to interact with you based upon their own levels of trust. So trust really doesn't leave the equation as much as we like to think that it doesn't when it comes to that one-on-one -on -one interaction or maybe even more online. Uh, and again, this brings us to a really huge problem that we have overall, and it's a problem that exists largely outside of Bitcoin 2.0. In fact, it has nothing to do with it, uh, because it's a problem with reputa reputation systems in general. Uh, and again, let's face it, by its very definition, reputation is a major part of identity. Uh, and for example, let's see, you know, we already have with the internet, you don't have perfect anonymity by any means, and you certainly don't have the anonymity that Bitcoin 2.0 could provide unless you're you know, going through various services like Tor or I2P or something. Uh, but you do have reputation systems, and even within those reputation systems, I mean, since the way people treat these things, you can more or less be pretty much anonymous in if you wanted to, say, 
uh, you know, give something a rating, which is the point of reputation, is rating. So let's take Yelp, for instance, uh, or take Facebook, for instance. Uh, I wouldn't use eBay in this discussion. Again, we're talking about reputation systems that already exist before Bitcoin 2.0 implements any of it. And yeah, I wouldn't use eBay as an example because their reputation system is so screwed up that they eventually had to make it so that only the buyer could leave feedback. Feedback, read that as reputation. Uh, and the seller was, by the rules, by the code, or, uh, you know, in other words, was not allowed to leave feedback about the buyer. It's a one-way digital street that has ravaged what eBay was all about in the first place, which is giving you that nice local garage sale feel in the digital realm. But let's get back to Yelp. So that's why we're not gonna put eBay in this. But let's get back to Yelp. Uh, anyone use Yelp here? How, how was your experience? Good? Uh, so-so, well, we got a good, okay, the so-so. Oh, come on, how many people, was it bad for you? Nobody. Yeah, okay, uh, there, thank you. I love you. <laughs> so, you're probably, let's see, what we had with Yelp, and do, we all know what Yelp is though, right? I suppose that's what I should have asked first. Okay, Yelp is an idea to, uh, where you can rate restaurants or whichever, and you're supposed to get a good third-party rating, so you don't have to rely upon the idea, possibly, that the restaurant would say, we're a five-star restaurant, and you walk in there, and it looks like a dung heap. Uh, you know, that, that's the idea. So, well, there's a great story, uh, CNET posted a little while back, uh, about a restaurant in California that wanted to get the worst possible ratings it could on Yelp. What the hell's wrong with these people? They want to get the worst possible ratings on Yelp. What was the idea? In fact, they didn't just want it, they wanted it really bad because they would give you a discount if you went into the restaurant and you ordered it and if you, they'd ask you, they'd say, will you please give us the worst possible rating on Yelp? And yeah, you, get, you got a cheaper meal out of that. So why would they want bad reviews on something that is supposed to send you a, send a ton of business your way? And that's what Yelp is all about. It's supposed to help people get business to you, and it's supposed to help uh, the consumer feel better that uh, you know, you're on the up and up. Well, it's because they know, like some here have discovered, even if you said so-so, that Yelp kind of sucks at what it does. Yelp can be gamed by the very story I just told you. It proves that Yelp can be gained. Uh, these star ratings can be with, again, with a kind of a degree of anonymity, uh, perhaps with the, the reputation version of a, what maybe you want to compare to a denial of service attack. Uh, they can be BS'd from end to end. Uh, in fact, that restaurant wanting ratings, wanting bad ratings was proving it could be done, like I said. And not even that, let's say there is a competition in the field of reputation listings for services like restaurants, because guess what, there are. Google offers this as well, so perhaps you'll go and get a second opinion on it. But then what's another story we've heard about recently? Google favors its own results, and Yelp claims Google is doing all they can to keep you from even seeing Yelp's rankings. How are you possibly going to get anything remotely like consensus with these kinds of services? They're gaming each other, even when there's competition. The competition isn't giving you a better service. It's, white, it's one what, trying to wipe out the other. They're not even concerned about you. Or how about Facebook and Twitter? 
You go to see if, uh, if you should follow or friend this person, and so you rightly or wrongly base your decision on how many followers or friends they have. How many people here do that? Come on. You take somebody way more seriously if they have 20,000 followers on Twitter. I, I think that goes without saying. But I said it. So, you know, you, you check that out, uh, you know, how many followers or friends they have again, but then we know all too well that many people, many of these people, often the ones with 20,000 or even higher, can just easily hire services that they can give them, for a fee of course, high follow counts or hits or friends or whatever, uh, you know, and, and on, all right, let's just go right to Amazon. I mean, so the point is that Facebook and Twitter can be games, so let's go right to Amazon. You know, and Amazon, of course, is the company that everybody wants to ignore, uh, because really, in many ways, they're, they're very much taking over the world. But every single entrepreneur that deals on Amazon knows one fact. Pay no attention to the five-star ratings and the one-star ratings. Pay attention to the three-star ratings. Why? Because the five-star ratings are coming from usually a friend, or, uh, again, another service that they could hire to, to make them look good, say it's an author or you're offering some kind of product, or you have the one-star rating, which could very much be, you know, the competition. This guy is, you're like, people that don't like the author. You can't trust it. You know, and most people don't even bother. They don't care. They, they do not care whether or not, you know, because what Amazon did, this was such a problem that Amazon had, that they put in this little line that says, verified purchase. Okay, and then, but that verified purchase, nobody looks at that because it doesn't show at the top next to the picture or the product that you're looking at. And they just want to see how many stars it has. They don't care, but that's the thing is every reputation system we know right now can be completely gamed. It is absolutely proven that it can be gamed. And you don't even have to crack the code of the reputation system to do this. Okay, but then let's talk about cracking the code and let's talk about identity even beyond just reputation systems. If your entire proof of identity uh, and claim to various wallets or accounts or services, again, all of these that, that Ethereum and BitNation want to provide, uh, is based on a system of code, you gonna trust that? There's an old saying that the most determined hacker is a 12-year-old with a laptop. And do you think that 12-year-old cares about what happens to you know, somebody in Botswana or you know, somebody across the street? Most likely not, he's just having a good time. And hey, whatever. I mean, th think about this. Think about the fact that you are putting, how much you're putting on there, how much you're attaching your identity. And this is the point, you are attaching your identity. There's people getting married here. They're putting their marriage, which some people would say is the most sacred institution on planet Earth. They are putting it on the blockchain and you wanna trust that. And then you listen to two weeks ago, you have Bashbug. Who knows what Bashbug is? Okay, yeah, Bashbuck, this is terrifying. Uh, Steve Gibson, a, uh, for, from Security Now, a great security analyst, he says, this isn't a back door into the internet, this is a front door into every server out there. And you wanna put your entire identity onto that? And, but this is what Bitcoin 2.0 companies want. But it's a central point of failure. Uh, and. Honestly, I think it could ruin your life in a heartbeat, depending on how big these companies get and how much sway they hold in our lives. Uh, one of the greatest challenges we're facing today is getting governing bodies and even corporate bodies, but I repeat myself, to not gauge our online actions based upon our IP address. Why? Because they're just addresses, they're not humans. And I would venture that public keys should, at the end of the day, be considered no different. It's an address created by someone at some point, but it's not a human, which brings me to another point people 
change. Remember these ID systems like Titan that we talked about and others based upon what rules you accept? And what if going to a porn site causes a decrease in reputation or is a breaking of the rules? What if one of your checkboxes, like I mentioned, of am I willing to deal with you, uh, is a symbol of a fish? And this is very popular in businesses for Christians. It's how they know that, you know, okay, well, this person's a Christian, I'll deal with them. And that's fine. I mean, it's, it's an interesting way of doing things. Um, you know, but then suddenly the blockchain registers that you've invested in a DAC that offers the best Asian ass porn on the planet. <laughs> oh, you didn't inv actually invest in that? You say your account got cracked? Likely story, buddy. Computers never lie. Or perhaps you're lying that you're a good Bible-believing Christian when you're not, in which case, if the identity system didn't record that you're into porn, so if it didn't record that, then your reputation's useless. If you have that fish symbol on, it doesn't mean anything. People are too easily controlled by shame and fear of repercussions, be it by government or society. And if a Bitcoin 2.0 ID system enforces either on others, have they missed the battle? No, really, they missed the war. So what do we have left on the list? Uh, trust systems, document version control. I think you can wrap those up uh, with a lot of thoughts on reputation and ID. Uh, I don't think people find these to be the most exciting. Of course, DAOs, distributed autonomous organizations. Uh, I think setting up DAOs or DAX is a pretty interesting way to automate business, uh, among other things. And really, their use comes down to what level of human touch a person wants in their business. Of course, there's also the way these things raise capital, these companies. Honestly, I think it's insanity that some of these companies can't even tell you how these ideas are going to work. And believe me, go, go watch the interviews with these people. They don't know, they can't describe their own products. Or they can't even tell you, like, let's take Ethereum, what proof are we gonna use? Proof of stake, proof of work, anybody know? Nope, I don't either. But they have $15 million. <laughs> that, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, uh, let's see, or in the case of BitNation, we have a crowd sale starting in a few days, I believe, uh, and you need to, uh, you know, really, all you gotta do is just go to, you know, go to a search engine, type in, uh, you know, Kickstarter complaints, and you're gonna see just how bad idea a lot of these crowdfunding things are. So, not a fan of how all this stuff is getting funded. Uh, but is this the end of the story? Well, in the spirit of Steve Jobs, one more thing. We've talked about blockchain technology, you know, how it's being planned by these Bitcoin 2.0 companies to invade almost every part of your life, from cradle to grave in some cases, birth certificates, death certificates. Uh, but the most, there's one place we didn't discuss, and that's the most private of places, that being your home. And this is where IBM's ADEPT comes in. ADEPT, as I mentioned before, is a blockchain BitTorrent hybrid technology uh, that wants to be at the heart of the Internet of Things. Everybody knows what the Internet of Things is? Okay, this is good, and I don't really have to describe it that much. Um, one of the first examples of IoT, which means Internet of Things, uh, as it's called, was a refrigerator from GE and a company called Quirk. And what this did was it showed you how many eggs you have left in the refrigerator on an app on your smartphone. Because, you know, the worst problem that you could possibly have and that you need to spend $5,000, $6,000, $10,000, $12,000 on is when you're at the grocery store, gee, am I out of eggs? If you have to spend $12,000 on that problem, you are the problem. <laughs> I mean, that, that's insane. Spend $3. Eggs don't even need to be refrigerated. That's an American nonsense idea. 
uh, you know, and just get more eggs. And if you waste them, it's better than wasting three dollars and twelve thousand. So anyway, <laughs> um, IBM's Adept is trying to solve two problems with IoT. One is, of course, cloud storage of information. Home appliances are designed to last for decades, and people will most likely not even let the nascent IoT market get off the ground if they have to pay for cloud storage of the metadata and data coming from their appliances. So blockchain, BigTorn tech can help assuage the scalability issues of that. I mean, you can't, you're not gonna pay for a Google Drive for the next year, you know, for the next 30 years on your device just because it needs that to be able to, uh, you know, do all the efficiency things that it wants to do. Uh, but the second problem is to solve security, and this is the more interesting one. Uh, this is a serious issue, I agree with it. Even if your Nest thermostat doesn't store banking information on it, it is a gateway to your home router, which would give access uh, to all kinds of information, including that information. So I appreciate that IBM is being really proactive about IoT, uh, you know, and, and its security before we end up with NFC chips in our light bulbs and doorknobs, both of which uh, they have, you know, they've given as examples of what would be chipped if everything goes to plan. Because hey, while certainly the average door is not good security and can be easily kicked in, a door lock controlled by NFC is really always open just a crack. Anybody get that one? Yeah. Open just a crack. crack, crack, crack it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but let's consider this. First, I'm impressed at how quickly IBM really grasped what they could do with the blockchain technology, and that's a clever implementation, no doubt. It does make me wonder if they're not working with some other Bitcoin 2.0 company, but that's regardless. I don't even want to get into that. Um, and it is open source. Uh, you know, and, I, and with that, I imagine it would be easy for a smart home to connect to other blockchain clients, as this is blockchain technology, they could kind of all work the same. Some people are trying to do that. An NXT wallet can uh, work with Doge, or you have merged mining, all these kinds of things. I could see, you know, I could totally see Adept uh, being, because IBM's not really like laying claim to it, I could see Adept being used by Ethereum or, or BitNation or Take Your Pick. Uh, and again though, just like with the ID, this is a central point of failure. And it accesses everything about you, especially if you're tossing your ID on there and everything that's going on in your home. So, and you can say that, well, you don't have to buy the Internet of Things. You don't have to buy that $12,000 refrigerator. But in that case, I do ask you to go to Home Depot. I am in need of incandescent light bulbs. You're not going to get your hands on them. They're legal. Okay, so even, you're going to have to bring me a CFL. And I hate CFLs. Make me tired. So how long is it before IoT becomes the only legal game in town? Uh, or when is it the central point of failure that gets forced upon you by the market or perhaps even the blockchain? Your home, your finances, your identity, your land. We talked about that. Your marriage, your life all wrapped up in something protected by private keys that every day the clock is ticking on for when the encryption is going to finally get cracked. Well, we'll implement better technology, they, or better uh, encryption, they say. But after how long? How many lives ruined by then? Will they do a rollback, perhaps? Oh, how about that? <laughs> At any given time, the developers of these technologies could just do a rollback. And think about that one. Think about everything you'd put on these blockchains and then there would be that rollback. Years of investments or interactions or your marriage or whatever could all just not have happened. 
Now, of course, people will say you have to choose to accept the new version of the rolled, block, uh, rolled back blockchain, but then we run into that uh, you know, two wolves and a sheep thing again at that point, unless there's consensus. What if the majority decides that your information wasn't important? You'd have to do a hard fork, but who's going to develop that fork blockchain? You? I wonder. And this really dovetails nicely into the first criticism that anyone is going to level at what I'm saying here, and it is, hey, this is all voluntary. And you're right, it is. But so is U.S. citizenship. And have any of you tried to leave the U.S., let alone try to stop being a citizen? Anyone of means? Anyone? No? Okay. You have to be of means. Yeah, you have to be of means. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, uh, there is an exit tax. Bitcoin is very much about wealth protection. Fortunately, it can do that uh, because the dinosaur-like governments of our day don't appear to really understand it. But what about when your personal wealth, whatever that may be, is tied in with people that do understand it? What happens when you try to leave the BitNation or Ethereum system then? Can you just walk away? Or will you have to pay an exit tax? Maybe you think these are just digital and you can escape doing business with them like you can escape uh, the internet in most countries. No, you can't. And let's just keep in mind that these things are not just digital. If they were, they should hold no bearing on your property ownership. If they are just digital, the BitNation and the like would not be saying they are competing with governments. I would present to you the idea that in the 1780s, when the United States of America was very young, it thought it needed, it needed different governance, too. It wanted a constitution away from the Articles of Confederation. And clearly, the people at the Constitutional Convention, look around you folks, did not think things through. How great is the Constitution if you live in Iraq? Ferguson. Ferguson. Yeah, how's, how's Ferguson? Right, yeah, great exactly. point. How's that Constitution working in Ferguson? Clearly, the Constitutional Convention did not do their homework. Or they did. Yeah, or they did. <laughs> well, and that brings me to my point. Uh, like Lysander Spooner said, but whether the Constitution really be one thing or another, this much is certain that it has either authorized such a government as we have had, or it has been powerless to prevent it. In either case, it is unfit to exist. And let me tell you, after having years in the military, I can assure you that the things this government has authorized does make it unfit to exist. And if you're thinking another or more government, think the blockchain, Bitcoin 2.0 technologies we're talking about, you are really, in my opinion, you are like an alcoholic thinking that you can solve your problem by drinking more whiskey. Has Bitcoin 2.0 missed the battle? No. They missed the war. All these technologies, I think, are really trying to solve some problems. I, I really do. I think, they, I think there's some very good-hearted people in there. I'm not calling them evil. I'm talking about the possibilities of where this can go, long after maybe some of them are even dead. I think they have asked themselves the quintessential startup question, what problem does it solve? But I think it's clear that they have yet to think things through all the way. They have not considered what problem does it solve without creating a ton of other problems, like we started this. And it is important to think to extremes. The precautionary principle, while it can be used to instill fear, should always be used. It is the yellow blinking light that reminds you to look in all directions when you get to the crossroads. Rampant optimism is as debilitating and deadly as any amount of fear, and this community has far too much optimism. You must always consider the options. You must always say to yourself, like when the late Steve Jobs and his wife went to buy a sofa, okay, let's think about this. What is the purpose of a sofa? 
And why do we need one in the first place? The solution to our global problems is not to replace governments with other governments. It's to get rid of them entirely and work on ourselves and work on a community level. Relocalization. The Earth may be our only true country because all that other stuff is just lines drawn on a map. So it may be our only country, but it is not our village. We have to consider what makes meat space so healthy. It is the redundancy provided by biodiversity. Nature knows nothing of a one ring to rule them all or one code to rule them all. Biodiversity of ecosystems ensures that when something goes wrong in one system, it doesn't take the whole planet with it. It ensures that there is a cooperation between systems that allows each one to grow separately and share in the fruits of each ecosystem at the same time. When you consider the Dunbar number, which scientifically shows that we, can, that we as humans can only have meaningful relationships between 50 to 150 people at a time, humans can only handle so much, only so many relationships, which are the very essence of life. You listen to how people hate Facebook, and I do too. I hate Facebook. I, one day I will delete that account. <laughs> or whatever social network. It doesn't have to be Facebook. Uh, you know, people, and they say, like, I'm looking for that front porch that America used to have or that whatever country you happen to be in used to have. Uh, they're looking for, what they're looking for, they're looking for real human connection. That's what they keep saying. And I think you're seeing people realize that this global connection in commerce is not satisfying them like real human touch does. All of this digital interconnectedness and code is trying to give us back the natural intuition we have when we're face to face. And really, that can often tell us all we need to know about another person that we're dealing with. And all this technology is just trying to take that intuition and put it to a global level in our you know, global society. But it's not working, and I don't think it can ever work. It's like you're trying to have sex via Skype. You know it pales in comparison. <laughs> you know There are some things that just get lost in translation, some things that just don't code. Technology is a means to an end, not an end unto itself, and it can work and can be a powerful tool for personal freedom. But like any tool, it should only be meant to enhance and enrich our analog lives and relationships, not consume them and control them and pack our interactions neatly into little code or be hampered by laws and rules that not everyone agrees upon. You know, like Julian Assange recently said, uh, no one understood, no, no one understands, uh, or no one understood nuclear weapons either at first. But like the internet, they shaped geopolitics. I think the same could be applied, as is willfully being applied to much of Bitcoin 2.0, the shaping of geopolitics. And listen to these developers, they talk this way. Because really all the complexity in these Bitcoin 2.0 projects that I've talked about are designed at the end of the day, at the end of the day, to do one thing, fight and perhaps even control human nature. It is assuming that your way of life that being the developers or whoever's supporting it, and your values are the only way, and that some lines of code will force those mores upon others. This is the tyranny of the code, and many people, sadly, I think, are begging for it. So, like the Emperor's son, Commodus, the Bitcoin 2.0 companies go riding up to the sovereign individual, and they ask, did I miss the battle? And like his father, Marcus Aurelius, we as individuals should turn and say, no, you missed the war.
I don't know that we have time for questions, but hey, my name's Brian. I got a quick point for you. You talked sure. about um, reputation. I, I love the point where you say that people change, and that's one of the fundamental flaws of hard reputation systems and hard identity systems because right. they assume that identity is an eternal fact, or, and that neither the identity nor your values nor your reputation nor your actions change over time. Um, so I'd just like to point out that BitShares named their reputation system Quixote. And, uh, Quixote is the story of a Spanish nobleman who had a stellar reputation until he suffered a psychotic break and went on a megalomaniacal, paranoid, delusional rampage through the Spanish countryside that ended in a suicidal attack against the windmill. He was taking on windmills, yeah. <laughs> yes, but up to the point where he suffered that psychotic break, he had a wonderful reputation. So maybe BitShares are trying to tell us something through the choice of that name, because it really shows how uh, pointless it is to put faith in reputation. I certainly hope so. I think that's a great point to make. Uh, and again, I, I do hope. But uh, with the other systems that at least I give Dan Larimer a lot of credit for, at least saying, giving his notions of how that's going to happen as to where the others really haven't answered it at all, but then people are just constantly giving them tons and tons of money. Uh, anyone else? So, one, two. So you um, you're essentially warning us that putting too much faith in technology can be dangerous, right? So as individuals that's, or sovereignty. That's an abstract there, yeah. But you still have your Facebook account. <laughs> but you're telling us, hey, well, before you put all your eggs in this Bitcoin 2.0, uh, understand that you know there might be consequences, the precautionary principle, and all that. Mm. How do you square that away? Because, because my point, if I have a point in this question, it would be you cannot stop the technology. It's going to keep on moving. The question is how are we going to use it? You know, and, and warning, I appreciate the conversation here. I might not be as cautious as you are, but the warning is important that we need these discussions. But regardless of however we talk, the technology will keep on progressing. And, and there's nothing we can do about it. You're absolutely right. You're 100% you're right that the technology does keep progressing, but that also illustrates the problems that humans are not. Humans are not growing. We're spending too much time progressing the technology instead of looking inside. And I think, honestly, there's a great quote by Leo Laporte where he says that we're looking at these smartphone screens and these screens all the time just to keep, you know, just to keep us from remembering that we're gonna die. And I think that's so true. Louis C.K. said that too. Yeah, Louis C.K. said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's it's true. I think a lot of a lot of this technology is to just ignore doing, just like voting in general. In my opinion, I think it's the same thing. People do it because they make it. They make it makes them think like they're doing something. It makes them feel like they're doing something. That they're changing the world somehow. And really, the only way you can change the world is by working on yourself. But that is incredibly terrifying. Far more terrifying than any guns or any technology. So, and that's really the point of what I'm trying to make here is that. We need that human touch. We need that interaction. Uh, and, I, and I'm also making the point that I think these technologies should be relocalized, taking a good hard look at the Dunbar number. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, necessarily there's nothing wrong with Facebook in principle, um, but there is something wrong when you are replacing Facebook and when you, I mean, how can you interact with five, what, 5,000 people, I think is the max of friends that you can have? How can you possibly have a good conversation with 5,000 people? That's impossible. 
I mean, we're, we're talking at each other instead of to each other. Uh, technology is, again, like, like Julian Assange said, you know, nobody understood what nuclear weapons were doing either. And I don't think we have a good grasp of what internet, what the internet is doing and perhaps what these Bitcoin 2.0 technologies can do. Any other questions? Uh, one question. Cool. Uh, this may be a minor technical point, but you, uh, you were talking about voting systems on the blockchain and how uh, you would lose secret ballot if you had identity associated with, with voters. And mm -hmm. I mean, it seems to me there's technical solutions to that using bind signatures and so forth. So, uh, but your, your concern is that someday the crypto will be broken and so yeah. things will... Yeah, at the end of the day, it's not really that anonymous. Um, I agree, there are solutions. In fact, like I said, consensus, 100% consensus could solve the whole problem. But consensus has its own issues in that it generally only actually gets you anywhere with a small group of people. But then that's my point, is that this stuff needs to be relocalized. Um, even Bitcoin, like a catch-all catch currency doesn't really work. I know a lot of people think that, well, we just need that one currency. Uh, no, no, you, you want a bunch of different currencies. I mean, because Bitcoin has a lot of problems. It cannot address the issues, and people have gone to Africa to try and solve them. It cannot address the issues uh, that are happening in Africa. You would need to program something completely different. It'd have to be something, in my opinion, and I'm not that great of a programmer, uh, but it'd have to be something that could, that did not require to be persistently online. Uh, and because it's not, the, the, on, the online interconnected world is not happening anytime soon, and everybody knows this, including Google and others, Facebook, you name it. That's why if you notice all your apps that have updated, now all have offline functionality, because they know it's just too cost prohibitive, even if they want to launch balloons or drones, to really get this world interconnected, and we need to look at that. That's one of the issues uh, with Bitcoin that I have. Another question. Well, I, I think uh, you're criticizing Ethereum as though it's a centralized, Organization, but really isn't Ethereum the whole idea? It's just building a platform that any group could uh, build any sort of contract to any group, and as long as there's hundreds of different groups, each of them you have to join. You can join voluntarily, but you don't have to join them. Yeah, and, no, then you, it still can be very decentralized. So that's it seems to me it's it's creating a decentralization of power, and so there is an advantage over the current systems like a government. Sure, it, it's a fair point. Uh, I wouldn't, the word decentralized, everybody has a different definition of that. I wouldn't necessarily say that Ethereum is essentially decentralized. It runs into the same problem of part of what I was critiquing, critiquing in this is the blockchain itself. Uh, blockchains are a central point, are in themselves a central point of failure, thus they are not you know, actually decentralized. Um, but with Ethereum, you know, I have, a, I have a saying that I use that I've used my whole life. I don't uh, follow the money, I follow the attitude. And that means I do look into what exactly do developers have in mind, how do they talk. And uh, I think it's not unfair, and I'm open to being corrected, and I'm open to being wrong about everything. I like being wrong. Uh, I'm actually a very optimistic guy, but I, the way I talk sounds very pessimistic. And so I often hope that the words that come out of my mouth end up being dead wrong all the time. Uh, so, but anyway, but the, the Ethereum developers, and I don't just mean to pick on Ethereum, this really goes for just about any of the 2.0 technologies, they definitely have the idea that they want to be the one ring that rules them all. And again, like they said, they said, well, it's voluntary, it's voluntary, but I don't know, no one's discussed the cost of leaving these things. What happens when you don't want to deal in them anymore? And we're not just talking about money. With Bitcoin, it's just money. You can leave and you can walk away and it's fine. But they're talking about reputation, ID systems, financial instruments, your marriage again? You know, I hate to keep bringing that one up, but uh, like maybe I'm just trying to get it to sink in into everybody's head that it might be a bad idea in general. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so th that's that's my, my thoughts on that. Anyone else? I, I got one. Too. One more. All right, we got one. So more. as a, 
as a 2.0 developer, I've been doing a lot of research and thought around identity and reputation, and I take what you say to heart very dearly. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I'm curious, so one of the things that I've been looking at is doing a reputation system that leverages the web of trust, such that someone could say whatever they want about you, but if they're not within one or two or three degrees of your web of trust, you could just not care. I'm wondering what your thoughts are, you know, the web of trust that was promised by PGP, for instance. Sure, um, but and that's a great example, and I love your shirt, by the way. Space Invaders, that's awesome. Um, that's, that's a great point, and I think that is PGP, comparing it to PGP is a great idea, but then what does PGP require to really work? Key parties, okay? And that's my point. Why are we not having one? Right, I agree. Uh, what's my room number? Yeah, it has to be easy, you're right. You're right, but at the core, it has to be something, your web of trust requires actual face-to-face -face contact and trust, and that's the point that I'm getting, getting to, is that we have to, these technologies, this idea of global commerce and you know global this and that, which is very much in mind what a lot of these 2.0 uh, companies have, is, is a failure on its face, in my opinion. I think the globalization of everything that happened long before the internet even, before, before uh, blockchain technology was even thought of, uh, is a real issue because people are losing a lot of those, uh, you know, those instincts that they can automatically have, uh, you know, that bad feeling that we can't really quantify, but it's just as important as any form of encryption, in my opinion. So I think you're right, we could do that, but then that makes the point, in my opinion, that we have to get back to where it's smaller groups, it's localized, there's not one big system that everybody attributes to. So that's it, thank you so much. Please go to, uh, if you want to hear more of this kind of crazy talk, uh, this absolute nonsense, go to uh, sovrymtech.com. It's sovereigntech.com, and I've been Brian Sovereign. Thank you. Yay, woo! Yay, yay stallion, stallion! No. <laughs> uh, okay, so that, that was great. Um, or, what am I doing to my own horn? I enjoyed doing that, uh, even though it, you know, it was at points, uh, you know, I tried to keep it kind of humorous, but then at the end, I suppose it was, uh, it was decently serious. And so I, you know, but I, I want to clear a couple things up. Uh, one of them being, as I mentioned, the precautionary principle, uh, and actually someone who, uh, who was in the audience asked a question, uh, and, uh, is, I consider a, a good friend. Um, you know, he, he was concerned about the precautionary principle and what this is, the precautionary principle. And actually I talked about it in episode 94 of Sovereign Tech is, and, and this gets overused by some people. Okay. This, this gets taken, talk about taking to extremes. This goes like you know, way out there. This often, honestly, it often gets used by religious, you know, like fundamentalist, you know, religious people. Uh, or, you know, it can just, it can get used by politicians, by a whole bunch of people where they just say, look, no, this could do this. And so we should not do it. Um, and I, I totally understand the reservations about that. It, you know, and that's why I made sure I wanted to describe it as when I mentioned the precautionary principle, I said, it's important to discuss it. Okay. But it is the yellow blinking light that you find when you get to the crossroads. It's not, the, see, that's the difference is a lot of people who use the precautionary principle as a red light, meaning stop, you know, and I'm saying it is the yellow blinking light that, you know, just be cautious, look around and, but you can still go through. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that, that that was very much understood. Uh, the, the second point that I want to bring up overall, you know, my, again, my vision is 
different, I think, from a lot of other people's, perhaps in the liberty movement in general. I want to a lot of people are just wanting this global anarchy. You know, I don't think that a I don't think that's possible. B, uh, I don't think that it may not even be beneficial. It may not even be, you know, what everybody expects it to be. I want relocalization. And that was really the, the entire context, the entire core of my talk is that things should be relocalized. And uh, one question, one person who asked the question, he was actually a programmer there, uh, said, you know, shouldn't. Uh, you know, couldn't we just use these technologies perhaps at, at that level? And yeah, maybe you could choose to certainly, but then that's the point is that, you know, uh, that's, that's my point with digital biodiversity, which is a, you know, biodiversity in general is a big thing for me. But my point with digital biodiversity is that, you know, when one system fucks up, uh, it doesn't take every other system with it. Okay. So yeah, certainly this could, these things, even Ethereum or BitNation, whatever could be done at local levels, but I don't, you know, like take with BitNation, are you going to have to do a fundraiser at every fucking local level? You know, like I don't even understand where if you have this idea all laid out and everything, what do you even need a fundraiser now for? But that, that anyway, sorry, I'm getting off topic. <laughs> you know, somehow NXT did it with very little money, quite frankly, or did a whole bunch of stuff, not necessarily to the to the breadth of what uh, of what BitNation's doing. And I'm still totally confused as to what how exactly they're going to administer defense. And of course, I already talked about that in the talk. Anyway, enough of that. Um, I am pretty well other than on the show Sovereign Tech. I don't plan on doing this talk uh, anywhere else. Um, unless it gets like specifically requested. I, as far as I know, I have been more or less asked to be at other Bitcoin conferences and I'm very honored by the people to, uh, you know, that that will be happening. Um, and you know, this, but this is a topic that I'm pretty much done with here. Okay. Here's the warning. We talked about it. Okay. Maybe you have other ideas of what could go wrong. We could talk about that or you've got the solutions. And when I hear those solutions, I'll be the first one to talk about them on sovereign tech. Okay. Cause that's part of the reason I do the show is to try and distill this stuff down to what it means for anarchy and personal freedom. Okay. So, uh, so I mean, this is, you know, I'll be doing other talks, but I'll probably end up again, unless I'm requested, uh, otherwise by, by, you know, the, the event organizers or whoever, uh, some people could, I imagine, persuade me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much done, done with this kind of discussion. I'd rather talk about like the next, you know, the next topic I'd really love to do a talk about, uh, would be, you know, more about the fact that we don't, Bitcoin doesn't need to be mainstream ever, uh, or talk about how Bitcoin, you know, should be treated literally as digital gold. Uh, you know, and if we are to have money, then it should be more the reserve currency and not, and, you know, have it be the backing for other currencies, you know, have it be like more or less like the greenback, uh, but something that has actual like value in the fact that we value it and it's not backed by a gun. Uh, you know, talking about things like that, uh, you know, uh, is, is perhaps what I'll do more in, in the future. But as far as this, you know, unless something really crazy happens, uh, I am pretty much done giving this speech. So, <laughs> and you know, it's, so many people that talk, they just give you the, you know, the good old fashioned, you know, rah, rah, liberty, yeehaw, yeah, fuck the government, rah, rah, uh, you know, all, all that stuff. And believe me, I could do that kind of talk 
you know, maybe that's what people really want. <laughs> you know, I don't know because everybody seems to get excited and, and find those kind of speakers always so, so inspirational. Of course, granted, I understand this is talk was a bit of a downer, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I want to deliver something that people haven't heard before that you're, you're coming to, you know, the, yes, this, I mean, and coins in the kingdom is meant to be a celebration. So I kind of feel bad that like I'm bringing kind of this downer subject there, but I mean, I wasn't anti Bitcoin. I was totally pro Bitcoin, you know, in the matter. Uh, so anyway, I, I like to deliver something original. I've, you know, I've gone to a lot of these conferences and boy, some of the people that talk at them, I mean, they're just regurgitating the same shit. And it's amazing because they'll get a packed house and people are just like, Oh, you know, <laughs> it just blows my mind. And I'm like, no, could, could you give me something new? Give me something, you know, original. Give me, give me a laid out case. And anyway, you know, I, I hope that I, I delivered that in this case. And again, Total, total thanks to Jason King. Uh, he is an absolute sweetheart, uh, you know, at Sean's Outpost who, who helped set this up, uh, you know, for giving me the, the really the carte blanche and to MK Lords uh, for giving me the carte blanche to, you know, with a good, I mean, they gave me a good hour and change uh, and they, you know, pretty much said, yeah, say what you want to say, you know, and uh, that was really, it doesn't, you know, that's respect from peers and I really appreciate that and I respect them uh, with everything I've got. So anyway, uh, new, don't, I'll catch you on the next episode. Regular episode coming out uh, later this week, of course. Uh, you know, I like to keep Sovereign Tech as, uh, as consistent as an atomic clock. I wonder if anybody's going to get that inside joke. <laughs> Carpe Lucem, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Please feel free to send your feedback. Sovereign Tech at RiseUp.net. Hit message. Take your pick. Twitter. There's plenty of ways to get in touch with me. Uh, you know, and, and help. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'll see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love. And love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the Evolution. Evolution.